This message is brought to you by Living Faith Church. You can find us on the web at livingbyfaith.com. Why don't you open your Bibles to Acts chapter 3. And I'm going to start reading from verse 1. Now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried, whom, and I just cut off. Let me read it was carried whom they lay daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms from those who entered the temple, who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms. And fixing his eyes on them, with John, on him, with John, Peter said, look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up. And immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. Then they knew that it was he who sat begging alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement. At what had happened to him. I want to springboard off what we spoke about last week. One of the most dangerous things in life is comparison. One of the most dangerous things in life is comparison. You see, the problem with comparison is that it leads to disappointment. The problem with comparison is any time we take our life and we begin to have a look at what other people have, where other people live, what other people's bank account looks like, you're always going to be disappointed because you're always going to find somebody who has something more than what we have. People who live with comparison need to get comfortable with disappointment because it's going to play a big part of their life. God never called you to compare yourself. God said, I've called you to run your race. I've called you to run your race. When we get into life, we don't get to cherry pick where we are or what we're born into. We don't get to select the situations and circumstances that we have to face during life. The thing about it is I'm running my race. I'm running my race. As long as you're looking at other people, what ends up happening is we think the grass is always greener on the other side. The challenge with it is what I'm really doing is I'm looking at one aspect of their life. But their life doesn't come as a single entity. Their life comes as a collection. It's when you step out of your life into what you think is so green that you discover that it's all full of holes and divots and groundhogs and everything else in there. And it's like, I didn't see that stuff. All I saw was the bank account. All I saw was the address. All I saw was the beauty. All I saw was the thin. I was attracted to something else and I didn't recognize that your life had so many pucker marks in it. Why? Because life is not whole. We've got to deal with some stuff. When horses run, they put something on racehorses called blinkers. 
And the purpose of a blinker is to shut off everything around you. The purpose of a blinker is to keep you focused as to where you're going. You haven't got time to have a look at what everybody else is doing. You don't have time to be in, absorbed with what the horse running next to you is up to. The thing about it is run your race. You there, and the purpose of you running your race is, I need to see where I'm going. I want to see in front of me. I want to see the vision. And I want to find the best way in my, my abilities and my capabilities to be able to get me there. It's not about anybody else. It's about you. We're all running our race. In Genesis chapter 1, God is creating man. the very pinnacle of his creation and he's just finished making man in his image and he looks at man and he does two things he blesses him and the very first words out of his mouth were be fruitful before he even carried on he blessed them and he said to them be Fruitful. What was he doing? He was saying to man, I need for you to understand that there was purpose behind the reason that I made you. And I need for you to understand I'm introducing you to the purpose for your life. And your purpose, something that, that undergirds who you are and informs your disposition and your attitude, is fruitfulness. He's not only, he wasn't only talking about fruitfulness in, a, in terms of manifesting the fruit of the Spirit out of who he was because he had the life of God on the inside of him. But there was a reality to the place where he wanted Adam to understand that everything you put your hand to shall prosper. He was speaking to him about the, the life that he had called him to and what he was to go out and what he was to experience. We don't always have that experience in our life. We find ourselves at places where we're sitting at the gate. There are places in our life that are not productive. There are places in our life that are in need. There are places in our life that are not fruitful. And when our lives are not fruitful, what ends up happening is I start looking for other people to sit and say, can you give me of your fruit so that you can fix my need? I need something of you because I'm at a place where I'm not whole and complete. I'm not fruitful in this area of your life. Wherever you may be today, I've got good news for you. You were built to be fruitful. You may not recognize it because you're sitting at the gate beautiful and everybody's going in and out and everybody's living their life and you having a look at everything going on in front of you and you sitting there thinking, I wish I could be them. You just haven't discovered it yet, but God was built you, has built you to be fruitful. Wherever you find yourself today, I've got good news for you. The Holy Spirit's job is to come in and show you the direction to move out from where you are to get into fruitfulness. That's what he's going to do. The thing with it is we just haven't discovered where he is. We keep our eyes open looking for a Peter and a John to walk into our lives. Looking for an opportunity for someone or something to come in and sit and say to me, I want to take of Christ and put something into your situation which is going to change your life. Remember this. God is always intent on directing us back to his original design. No matter where you find yourself today, it doesn't matter what's characterizing your circumstance or your situation. God's intention is always to take us back to what his design is for our life. Yeah. 
If you have a look at Luke chapter 11 and verse 28, it said, blessed is the man who hears my word and obeys it. Blessed is the man who hears my word and obeys it. What he's saying to us is this. Jesus and his word are one. What he's saying is, every time we get a revelation from the Holy Spirit, what it's doing is, it's introducing us to Christ. Every time he's introducing us to Christ, what he's doing is, he's introducing us to, to the greater one on the inside of us. The thing about Christ is he doesn't introduce, uh, the Holy Spirit is, it doesn't introduce us to silver and gold, it introduces us to Christ. Because when you get revelation, what ends up happening is it's not a whole set of rules as to how we live our lives. It creates a disposition within us where we begin to recognize that the one who can walk into my situation and bring about change, who can bring about transformation, is the very one who resides on the inside of me. The point of revelation is to take and expose and reveal the greater one who's on the inside of me. I can do all things because the greater one lives on the inside of me. The introduction is to Christ, not to silver and gold. Obedience is important because when we speak about obedience, what we're talking about is we're talking about taking an aspect of my life and sitting saying, I'm prepared to bring that to the place where I give preeminence to the word of God in this situation. I give authority to the word of God to give direction as to how I take this aspect of my life and how I move my life forward. The problem with it is we don't usually find ourselves in a situation that are easily transformed. Very often what ends up happening is I've spent so much time at the gate, it's not just like I can have a healing and then I'm well. The problem with it is it's affected my whole life and everything that constitutes my being. Who I used to be is being defined by that. And all of a sudden I need something that's not just going to heal me, but move me into a better way of living. When God created Adam and he blessed him and he spoke to Adam about being fruitful, God's intention was always that Adam understood that he was sending him on A commission. A commission. The reason that Adam was sent on a commission is because commission speaks about two coming together to fulfill a mission. God sent him on a commission because what he was saying to Adam is this. I can't ask you to be fruitful outside of me. You're not going to walk into that. The thing about it is you need to come to me because the two of us together can walk you into fruitfulness. What he was saying was the purpose that I've designed for you to live out of is something that's going to only be realized when you and I come into partnership with one another. It's talking about relationship. What he was saying to Adam is I want you and I to come to the place where we are relationally together. And in that place, what ends up happening is you can rest on me to make things happen in your life, bring about change and transformation, introduce you to, to, to blessing and to fruitfulness that you won't be able to achieve on your own. If you have a look at Deuteronomy chapter 30 and verses 9 and 10, 
what he's talking about is God is talking to, to Abraham and he says, the Lord your God will make you abound in all the work of your hand, in the fruit of your body, in the increase of your livestock and in the produce of your land for good. For the Lord will again rejoice over you for good as he rejoiced over the fathers, over your fathers. If you obey the voice of the Lord your God and keep his commandments and his statutes, which are written in the book of the law. What was God saying? God was saying, I'm taking you back to my original design for mankind, which is that you be fruitful, but you don't know how to get there. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you a roadmap. What I'm going to do is I'm going to give you my law. And if you obey my law, what will end up happening is I'm trying to find out how I'm supposed to live in this situation. And God's saying, this is what you do. It may not make sense to me. It may rub against my flesh. But I do it because the law instructs it. And as I position my life in a place of blessing, I walk into fruitfulness. But the law didn't work. Because it was something that was external and people struggled with it. And part of the reason that we're so thankful for what Jesus did is because it opens the door to Hebrews chapter 8 and verse 10, where he says, I will take my law and I will put it in their minds and I will write it on their hearts. You see, what God was saying is, I'm not going to give you a set of rules and regulations that will give you direction. I want relationship with you. When Christ walks into your situation, he comes in with a direction for your life and where you can go. And what he does is, when Christ comes in and makes me new and his life is a part of who I am, I live out of relationship with that. And so I have sensings in every way that I go. I don't feel comfortable with this. What is he doing? Christ on the inside is sitting putting the brakes on saying I'm trying to give you a big warning don't go down there and there's sometimes things look strange and odd and it's like I'm not sure I should be doing something but on the inside of you you have such a peace about it why because Christ in you is speaking to you it's relational Every time we have revelation, what ends up happening is I'm getting a greater knowledge and understanding of who is on the inside of me and the way that he wants to direct and and inform my life. Obedience is my response to God's invitation to live from grace. God says, I want you to understand something. Jesus paid the price so that once again, you and I can co-mission to walk into fruitfulness. He paid the price. It's been done. Jesus has done everything necessary so that you can grab a hold of grace and step into my original design for your life. When Peter and John are walking along and they're on their way into the temple and they see the lame man lying there, And he catches Peter's eye. And Peter moves over. And he begins to speak to him. What ended up happening? Christ came into the situation. And when Christ came into the situation, things changed. Things changed. 
We get excited about the story and we love to live in the moment. We celebrate the fact that the power of God was manifest and somebody's life was immediately touched. And what ended up happening was a a miracle presented itself. And somebody who couldn't walk from birth all of a sudden stands up and is able to walk. And it's wonderful and it's exciting and it's celebratory and it's a good thing. But it's the beginning of better things. He raised him up, not so that he could just sit and say, now I can walk, but so that he could walk into fullness of life. The point of it is, his life was fundamentally changed. Because when Christ came in, I don't have to live the way that I used to live. I've suddenly recognized the fact that yes, Christ came in and something happened. But that's redefined what my future is going to look like. It's not just for the moment, it's for everything down the road. The invitation was not just for the minute. It was not just for the deliverance. It was not just for the healing. It was an invitation to newness of life. It was an invitation to step into the fact that I am to be blessed and I am to be fruitful. I couldn't engage that beforehand. We never said the sinner's prayer so that we could have the life of Christ just come and live on the inside of us. It was an invitation to discover life in Christ. I don't live in the moment. The moment was important. The moment was fundamental. The moment was transformational. But the moment was there to introduce me to a future that's different. My future is all about discovery and stepping back into my original design. It's all about understanding what it means to have Christ in me. Ephesians chapter 4. I want to read it out of the uh, chapter 4 verses. Um, two and three, I want to read it out of the Passion. Sorry, Don, nothing personal. Ephesians 4, verse 23. Now it's time to be made new by every revelation that's been given to you and to be transformed as you embrace the glorious Christ within as your new life. When Jesus met the lame man, what he was saying is, I'm introducing you to your new life. What he was saying was, celebrate the moment, but change your future. Celebrate the moment, but change your future. You see, when Christ comes into our situation, what he says to us is this. I'm looking for you to change. Because the things that have got you to this place where you are in life are not going to be the things that are going to define your future from here on out. Up until this this point, you've learned how to survive in this environment. Up until this point, you've made use of people around you to take you to the gate. You've looked to the people who are going in and out of the gate to provide for you. You've developed your whole life around where you've been. But what he's saying is everything that's defined your life up until that point is not what's going to define your life moving forward. I have to let go of some stuff so that I can embrace my future. I'm at a place, I'm at a crossroads where I'm recognizing that newness comes in and newness is formidable for lots of people because I know the life where I've been. I knew the people I could rely on. I knew how I could have income. I knew how I could depend on different, different individuals to provide my needs. Now it all changes. There are places in our life where we can move and we can get to in the natural But for us to move into our future and what God has prepared for us is going to take supernatural tools. It's going to take supernatural tools. 
Peter looks at him. And he says to him, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I unto thee. In the name of Jesus Christ. You see, Peter could have given him silver and gold, which would have met his need for a period of time. But he gave him Christ, which is designed to change his life. He gave him Christ, which is designed to change his life. The challenge with it is this. People who find themselves in a place where they're comfortable begging at the gate are at a place where they're not used to and not accustomed to being fruitful. I'm used to and I'm comfortable in that place where I'm taking from other people and I'm taking fruit from other people to meet my need. It's a different disposition. It's a totally different frame of reference because you see, from one position, you have to be a person who's fruitful, who has something so that you can give it to somebody else. But if you're a person who's barren, you're looking for fruitfulness outside of yourself so that you can get it to change your life. One is a producer and one is a consumer. And God is sitting saying to them, I need for you to understand, I'm going to fundamentally change your identity. You see, you used to be a cripple. You used to be a person who was consuming. But all of a sudden, I've moved you to a place and I've healed you and put you as a man who's standing up and I can walk all of a sudden and I'm in a place where I need to become a producer. I'm no longer barren. I'm in a place where I can become fruitful. Why was that? Because identity is the key to transformation. If you see yourself as incapable, if you see yourself at a place where you're sitting saying, I'm stuck at this point. I'm a person of need. I'm a person who's barren in this place. I'm a cripple and I need people to provide for me. It's my identity. It's my reality. It's my disposition to life. And Jesus comes in and says, that's not who you are. I'm taking you back to my original design. Get up from where you are. I'm going to pull you out of where you are. And I'm going to position you as a person who can walk. And as a person who can walk, it's not just celebrating the fact that I've got legs. It's recognizing the fact that things are going to change in my life all of a sudden. Because my identity has changed. All of a sudden, I can approach my future and my reality from a different place. Because I'm not dependent anymore. Now I'm a person who can produce. I'm not a person who's barren. I'm a person who can be fruitful. My identity changes everything. When you change your identity, it brings about transformation in your world. Your circumstances and situations are different when you're a cripple as opposed to when you're a man walking. They instantly change. Our identity is so important. But the healing was for the moment. But the transformation was for the rest of his life. The hardest part about being a person 
who puts himself on the road to fruitfulness is that it's not the easy road. We spoke last week about the fact that the elevator doesn't go to success. You have to take the stairs. You have to take the stairs. Why? Because I built a reality around my life as it used to be. And my reality isn't constructed around where God is taking me. And the problem with it is I need to shift the entire framework of my life. So God healed me. But as I step out on the journey, what he's going to do is he's going to unsettle all the stuff in the pond of my life. He's going to unsettle all the things that have been, all the residue that's been sitting down there that has given definition to my life for so many times. As I begin to walk out of this thing, what he's doing is he's sitting saying, look what's popping up. All of that stuff that was defined, all a reality that's been given definition as a result to who I was as a cripple. And I need for you to understand that unless you change that belief, unless you change that conviction, unless you change that disposition, unless you change that attitude, I can't reconstruct a new reality on the inside of you that looks like your future. It's not enough to get legs. I need to reconstruct my reality. That was the whole point. When Jesus ran into Peter, what did he say to him? I'm meeting you in the old place of where you are. I'm meeting you in a reality that's constructed around being a fisherman. But I'm inviting you into a new reality to be a fisher of men. What is he saying to him? There's going to be transition, Peter. And Peter was so enthusiastic. I like Peter because he was naive. He was like me. One of my greatest assets is I'm naive. I never know what I'm getting into. And then by the time I'm in, I can't get out. It's too late. But he jumps in. And he didn't know that every aspect of his life and who he was and what what constituted his his old reality was going to be interrogated. I'll never deny you, Jesus. Never. And what happens? He comes face to face with who I really am. And he saw something inside of himself that he couldn't see beforehand. It was a blind spot to who I was. What was Jesus saying? I'm getting you ready for your new reality. Deal with it. Deal with it. Don't be uncomfortable when stuff comes up in your life. You're on a journey. You're changing realities. You're transitioning to become a fruitful person. That stuff has got to come up. Because when it comes up, it's sitting saying, what do you want to do with this? Do you want to live with it? Or do you want to change it? The challenge with so many people is that who I want to be is really, really difficult to come out. Because I'm so stuck in who I was. Peter had a foul mouth and a vile little temper. He cut off the guy's ear and Jesus says, what are you doing? What is he saying? He's saying, Peter, you're on a journey. I want you to see this stuff. Why? Because I'm taking you from a fisherman and I'm making you a fisher of men. And as the stuff comes up in your life and as it presents itself, what it's doing is it's inviting you to do something with the stuff. What is God doing? I'm rebuilding your reality. It used to be on sinking sand. I'm building it on the rock. He's changing who you are. Change doesn't just happen. Sometimes God is incredible in the ways that he can move into situations and change stuff immediately. 
I once was lame. Um, well, we'll use the blind one. I once was blind, but now I see. I once was lame, but now I walk. It's wonderful. God does something incredible and miraculous in life. But as a result of his intervention in life, it opens the door to newness. And it requires something of me to sit and say, I don't want you to live in the paradigm of where you were. I'm inviting you into a future that's going to be defined by fruitfulness. I've got to let go of some stuff. I've got to move out of some stuff. Can I come home? A little bit close. Patrick said it was okay. Well, somebody did. That's good enough. We have too many voices in this country right at the moment talking about let's embrace a socialist ideology. Let me tell you what socialism is about. Socialism, this is the problem with it. I'm going to put the two up because I want you to see them. God says, I love you so much. My invitation to you is to step into productivity. I want you to be a person who's blessed. And I want your life to be a life that shows forth fruitfulness and abundance in every way. In your relationships and in your marriage and in your body. And everything that you put your hands to, it needs to abound with fruitfulness. Because it's a sign that the greater one is on the inside of me. Every way, every place I put my foot uh, it's my, every place in which my foot shall tread he's given it to me everything that I put my hand to prospers everything's going on in my life and everything that I'm involved in is flourishing why? because of him the problem with socialism is this it wants to harvest from people who are fruitful to give to people who are not the problem is And let me contextualize this. Everybody in life is going to go through struggles. It is. That's just part of life. I'm a big proponent. And as as born-again believers, we should be. Get involved in people's lives in any way you can. And you do what you can to, to be led by the Holy Spirit in that and to help people out of a difficult situation that they're in. I'm all about that. The problem with socialism is it doesn't create producers. It doesn't create people that are designed to be fruitful. Why? Because everything is run by government. Government is not productive. That's the whole point of it. The point of government is to sit and say, let's see those people in life who are fruitful. Let's take from them and then we'll give to those people who are not productive. This is the challenge for me. And this is what I want you to think about. This is the disposition. I'm all about helping people. The thing about it is, when we give to somebody, it should not be charity as much as it should be investment. I'm giving you something because I believe in you. I'm giving you something because should I tell you something? There's something on the inside of you that maybe you haven't recognized yet. And if I have the opportunity, I'm going to speak to you about Christ. Because he doesn't want you to stay where you are. And the opportunity that he has for you is to step out of that and sit and say, man, that was a tough place to be. But I'm so excited about the trajectory that I'm on. Because I once was blind, but now I see. I once was lame, but now I walk. I'm on a new trajectory in my life. What are we creating? The problem with government is government looks at groups. It doesn't look at people. Government says these are unemployed people. These are people who are homeless. It's categories. 
broad categories. But if you're government and you have to fix a category, what do you do? You throw money at it. God never looks at groups. God looks at individuals. God looks at individuals because the choices we make define the future that we enjoy. And God is always looking for opportunities to come and meet us at the gate. God is always looking for opportunities for Christ to be introduced to our situation. God is always looking for a Peter somewhere to sit and say, you know what, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I unto thee. There is a place where we want to change the people in our society so that they have chance, so that they see hope, so that they recognize that God has a future for them. The problem with it is, if I'm caught in a place where of consumption, what ends up happening very often is that I never step out of consumption. It keeps me trapped. And I never become a person who becomes a producer in life. My disposition always becomes one of, I'm looking for people to feed me. I'm looking for people to provide of their fruitfulness to put into my reality because I'm not able to produce it on my own. Society is a function of people. People make up society. And society makes up a nation. When we have great people who are healthy and productive, it translates into a healthy society. And when we have a healthy society, we have a healthy nation. The responsibility of the church is not just to get people born again. The responsibility of the church transcends that. The, the responsibility of the church and the body of Christ is to introduce people to the reality of life in Christ. Because it unsettles where I am. It'll pull me out, pull me up from the ground. But it'll put me at a place where it sits and says, you know what? The opportunity is there. The invitation is there. Let go of old paradigms. Let go go of old realities and step into something new. And you may not see it and you may not be able to define it. That's the role of the Holy Spirit. He'll walk you into it. That's his job is to lead us into truth. What is he doing? He's sitting saying, I'm helping you get your life reestablished on the rock. God's directive to man when he met him was to sit and say, I created you for blessing. I created you to be fruitful. We're all going to journey along life and they're going to be parts of our life in different places. Never feel bad if you find yourself at a place in need. It's not a bad thing. What it's doing is it's revealing something to us and it's inviting us to address it. That's the point. The invitation is there to grab hold of something and move forward. Our identity is so fundamental to our transformation. How we see ourselves translates into how I deal with life and circumstances. If I see myself lame, I'll have a very different disposition to life than when I see myself walking. Who I am becomes important. Change is not comfortable because I've grown up in paradigms and realities that's been defined by where I was. But I have to be a person of courage and a person who's prepared to sit and say, I'm I'm happy to take the Holy Spirit's leading because he's re-establishing who I am and he's re-establishing my paradigm of life on something which is solid, which is going to introduce me to productivity. Always be aware of people who are in need. 
Meet people's needs where you can. We should do that. But the greater call is to introduce them to Christ. Without Christ, I can give you silver and gold. But with Christ, I can change your life. Father, we just thank you that you're such a good God. We thank you for this phenomenal nation. Father, I thank you that although we may not be perfect, I want to thank you that you're always working with us and bringing about change and transformation. And as we see things as a nation, the invitation is to grow into newness and into something better than where we've been. I want to thank you for your blessing on this nation your provision, and your protection. I want to thank you for every person who is a part of this nation. And Father, I know that you love them so very much. I pray for more Peters. People who will take the truth and the reality of the Christ inside of who they are and introduce it into people's needs. I thank you for lives that are transformed and changed that are set on a new trajectory. Give us opportunities this week so that we can be activated as a body of believers. Bring people across our paths so that we can take of you and invest that in them. We bless you for your goodness. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.